as I said this past week, our theme for VBS followed along the lines of, uh, kids, you remember, when life is crazy, God is good. Now it's over, you guys. Like, I'm not going to do it anymore, right? Okay? But when life is crazy, God is good. And I believe that's so true. And today's message is going to kind of follow along beside that. Um, but I wanted to uh, go ahead and highlight also, it's going to be more of like a special mission Sabbath. And so we'll highlight some things about uh, mission work and whatnot, and we'll talk about missions, but we'll also have our very own Glendale people uh, that have gone on missions come up and share a little bit about their own experiences. So we'll go ahead and start. Uh, so I actually didn't tell you guys the order, uh, but I was going to have Ashley go first. Are you okay with sharing your experience? Okay, so Ashley will go ahead and share her experience uh, this past summer uh, when she helped uh, as a leader for Mexico Kayam. And then we'll have Susie come and share her experience from last year uh, when she went to International Kayam to Nepal. And then we'll have Isaiah share his experience of going to Mongolia uh, this past summer as well. So Ashley, we'll let you go first. Hello, happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. I'm here to give you my, I guess, testimony or just talk about my experiences of when I went to Mexico Kayam. So basically, uh, the first time I went, it was 2017, and I went as a student. And then earlier this summer, I decided to go back as a leader because I loved it so much the first time. I remember at the end of um, 2017, Mexico Kayam, I, I was like, one week is not enough. And so... Um, and that's basically what I felt this time when I went back as well. And I think going as a leader was really special for me personally. Um, man, okay. Going along with the theme of VBS, let's see. I'm thinking off the top of my head, guys. Um, okay, so every night at Mexico Kayam, the leaders, we have a meeting. And during the meeting, we talk, we go around, we talk about our, our individual small groups and different praises um, or different like prayer requests that we have for that day or for that week or for any students or leaders or whatever. Um, and I think that was, it was the highlight of my week, honestly. Every night, getting together with the leaders, we were so tired and the meetings would go, what, two hours? And every single time, at least half the, half the leaders would like fall asleep. But we would, we'd just be like, I mean, we get it, you know, you're so tired. But we would go around, we would talk about all these different things that, you know, like I didn't know that happened. But I just saw so, it was like, like, you know how when you pray, and then you just pray, and you like, you leave it to God, right? And then you kind of say, okay, well, he's going to answer my prayers, but I don't know when or how or in what way. But with these leaders in our meeting, I was able to see God working. Um, prayers that like I had made or prayers that the pastors had made or the other leaders had made you know, a week ago or two weeks ago or, or like yesterday, they were being answered through other, other students and other leaders um, and not even knowing it. It was just a special experience to like get together and talk about all the different blessings or the different prayer requests that we had and to see like things like finally working out, you know? Um, one of the girls, her name was Hannah. Oh no, es Hannah's her older sister. Esther was gonna go to Mexico Kayam and she could not find her passport till the day of. 
like they were like scrambling to look and I remember we we left LAC later because she couldn't come and so they were just like scrambling to look for the passport I guess the housekeeping lady had like you know like put it somewhere else and so um, Esther's mom called and they were like oh like we can't really find the passport you know like at like at best maybe she can join you guys midweek or something so we all decided to like leave earlier and we left her behind but they prayed about it and they found the passport thankfully I don't know where I forgot but but then the bus was gone so then how is she gonna get to Mexico well prayers were answered because one of our other leaders um, decided to come later on and I just and I didn't know about that until like the end of the week and just to see how like when all these crazy things happen you know, you, you slowly see them working out. And even if it's not during that week, you know, we prayed so much for the VBS kids and for, you know, all the different students. And I'm still praying for all these kids. And just like knowing that these prayers will be answered in God's time um, and having that faith, it makes me really happy. And um, it just gives me more confidence, you know, to go onto the mission field. And I would really recommend for any of the kids here that are in, like, high school to go to Mexico Kayam. It's not really, like, well, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's not like, like Arizona where you guys were out in the sun for, like, hours and stuff like that. It's not that hard. But I really think it's a special place where kids can really, like, find God and, you know, like kind of decide for themselves and to find God for themselves it's, it's a really special experience and you know making friends there like actual friends that are my age there um makes me want to go back every year so I am planning to go back whenever I can yeah Amen. thank you okay so now we'll have Susie come and share her mission experience of last year we didn't have the chance last year to give her time to share uh, but now she will go ahead and share her experience to Nepal. Hello, my name is Susie. Hello. I went. To, I was part of Kayam's 23rd batch for international Kayam, going to Nepal. So actually, no, going to Nepal was, I was really excited about it because I've never really gone overseas before. So I was like, yes, my first time going overseas, traveling and seeing the world. But I realized that... Um, because I was going as a missionary, there was a lot of difficulties. And I know a lot of people, they share about like a, little, a lot of difficulties, like adjusting to like the climate, adjusting to like um, just how like difficult like the schedule was because every day the schedule was really full. And I've never really wanted to go to sleep early before, except when I went to Kaya. <laughs> and it, there were a lot of difficulties, like we couldn't, but I realized that even though I was there for only three weeks experiencing all these difficulties, the people who live there, they have to experience those difficulties like all the time. And I realized how like precious like electricity and like Wi-Fi was, like things I took for granted here. And I know a lot of people say this when they go like somewhere, um, some different country, they realize how like blessed we are to live in like this first world country with like a lot of like just free bathrooms, like even that. <laughs> Like things we take, think little things that we don't even notice or we're thankful for. But I realized that like even though we're like, I'm really, I'm really glad that God like put me in this like nice, um, nice family and nice place where I can like have a lot of opportunities that like um, the kids in Nepal couldn't have. I realized that I just, I can't just 
hold on to this and just have it for myself like oh like just keep it selfishly and just be thankful like oh at least I'm not like that kind of mentality I realized that um, as in math Matthew 5, 14 and 15 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and give it, it gives light to everyone in the house. And I, hear, I know that growing up in the church, you hear that a lot. Like, you're the salt of the world. You're the light of the world. You have to shine and spread as much as you can to the world. And going to Nepal really made me realize that. Because I can't just, like just be thankful and take for granted the things God has given me, I need to share it back. I need to give back. And I think that going to, um, going to international camp is really a place to do that, or any mission field, honestly, because this wasn't my first mission trip, but this is going for a longer period of time made me realize even more how much, like, how, how blessed we are. But we need to share that, too. Thank you. Now we'll have uh, Isaiah, who just came back from a mission trip to Mongolia. Uh, we'll share his experience a little bit with us today. Thank you. Good morning, happy Sabbath, everyone. Good morning. Um, yeah, what Susie said about public restrooms is very true, even in Mongolia. Uh, you have to pay to go to public restroom. That's crazy. But you also have to pay for toilet paper, too. But whatever. Don't take that for granted. I was actually planning on sharing a different story, but I saw the title, it says Close Beside Me, and um, I think I should share a different one. Um, but for me, why I went to um, International Kayam, it wasn't for a very specific reason. I mean, my pastor at uh, Sacramento Church, Pastor Keating, was like, hey, you know, you should go to Kayam. Um, you're not doing anything this summer, you'll probably never have another free summer in your life, um, so might as well check it out. So. I was like, you know, sure, why not? I'll go. So I signed up, bought the ticket, and I really didn't have that much expectations going into it. Uh, I've heard good things about it, um, but, you know, I just kind of went uh, to go. But one thing that I knew for sure was I, I went, or I wanted to go to serve. I didn't really know how that would look like or who that would be, but I just knew that I would just give everything I could to God and allow Him to use me. Um, so when we got there in Mongolia, uh, my group went to Hutur. It's one of the cities. It has like 9,000 people population. So just to give you like an idea, Glendale has like, I looked it up yesterday. Uh, it has like 200,000 people. So like 120th of that was where we were. Uh, they're very poor. It's in the countryside. Um, but they live very humbly. Um, but when we got there, I remember praying before. I said that, you know, I prayed to God, said, you know, I'll... I'll do whatever you need to do. Just use me. Uh, and he definitely took those words for sure. Um, it was really tough for me. I was uh, one of the directors, one of the two directors uh, that was there. And our group had um, a lot of personal issues that they brought with them. A lot of conflicts with uh, different idea ideologies. And for me, it was really hard to try and stay on top of that and keep the unity within our group so that we could, you know, serve the people because that's what they, we were there for. Um, but, you know, when I said that I gave everything to God, He definitely took everything because while I was there, physically, emotionally, 
um, spiritually, I, I reached my limits, and I really wanted to give up many, many times. Um, I was kind of the person that they, they came to to talk to about their problems, and at one point, it was, I felt like it was too much for me to bear, and I just wanted to throw in the towel and say, forget it, you guys deal with it. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Just go and sleep and stay inside. Um, there was one day in, specific, uh, in particular that was very tough, and um, we kind of all came together as a group and just prayed uh, after our morning worship. And our morale was really low. One of our members was struggling a lot. Um, and we just prayed that there was one person that prayed, uh, this guy. Um, I never thought I would ever see him cry before because he's, he's very reserved and doesn't really share too much of his uh, personal story. But uh, as he was praying, he was just crying and saying, you know, God, I don't know why these things are happening, but I think it's because that Satan is trying to tear us apart. Um, but that only means it's because we're doing good things and great things for you. Um, and when I heard that, it really opened my eyes to what we were doing. Uh, most of the time, I think we don't get to see the fruits of our labor. Um, but in the mission field, specifically, you know, it's, it's spiritual warfare. And there's no denying that. That these things that were happening, I don't think they were just ordinary things. But once we realized that, it really was a breakthrough moment for us. And uh, we kept on going. But later that day, you know, I was, I just didn't want to talk to anybody. And uh, one person asked me to talk with them later, one-on-one. -on -one. I was like, yeah, of course, no problem. You know? uh, I'd love to, but I was really struggling. Um, but I did, and... You know, I, in, in that moment, I was so scared, and I had no idea what to say to this person. Um, and while she was talking, I was just, I just prayed in my head, like, I was just being honest with God. I just said, you know, I'm so scared right now, and I have no idea what to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing, so just be with me here. And I just, I just started talking, and words came out, and I really believe to this day that God gave me those words. Um, and we had, we had a breakthrough moment um, with our group that day. And from there on, I definitely think that the storm passed. And after that moment, like, for me inside, I just, I felt recharged, like 100%. And like, I was down in the dumps, and I had nothing left to give. But um, in my lowest moments, God was there beside me. Amen. Um, most of the time in Kayam, I felt very alone uh, because I had, you know, I, I had to kind of take care of my group. And sometimes I wish that I could just be another member and not be director or something, just mess around sometimes. But it was hard, but it really taught me how to rely on just God and because I had no choice. Um, and so just to trust in God and to know, like, in my lowest moments, He was there for me always is really comforting for me. And that's one thing that I'll definitely take away from Kayam, that uh, he's always there. You can always trust him. He's always going to be close beside you. Um, we did, we did event, uh, evangelistic series there at Kayam, and uh, it was five days, I think. 
And I got to I got the privilege of speaking the very last day uh, about baptism. And I had uh, prayed to God about a certain uh, certain decision that I wanted to make before coming to Kaim. And I said, you know, Lord, if you want me to do this, if you want me to go down this road, you got to show me something. Show me some sign or something that let me know that this is what you want me to do. And so, as the days went on, evangelistic series was going good, and uh, it was my day to preach, and I preached, and uh, it was time for the altar call at the end, and I said my stuff, I said, you know, this is your time to, if you feel like God's impressing upon you, please come forward, and nobody moved, Um, but uh, I was really, you know, uncomfortable in that moment, but I just kept talking and talking and, you know, saying those, saying those lines that we always say, uh, don't think about anything else or anyone beside you, these kind of things. Uh, and actually, seven people came forward um, to accept Christ that day. And the feeling that after that I felt was something that I don't think, I still can't really describe it, but um, I just felt very... Uh, Full. Like, like I did something really meaningful and that really mattered in life. Um, God allowed me to see that fruit um, when I, you know, when I preached. And I know it's just a feeling. Obviously, I don't feel it right now, but that feeling I don't think I'll ever forget. Amen. And I took that as my sign um, to God of that request that I asked for. Um, so from. Now that I'm back, um, I've decided to uh, pursue theology and study to become a pastor um, from now on. I'm still trying to work out the details of where to go and stuff, so I can't really tell you much. But, um, you know, I, I, from my experience, I trust that God will provide for me, too, in this, uh, in this situation. So uh, thank you for allowing me to share, and God bless you guys. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. You know, I, I love hearing mission stories. Mission stories are probably my favorite thing. So I'm just going to continue sharing mission stories. Um, but you know, thank you, Ashley, Susie, and Isaiah, for sharing your own experiences in the mission field. And I pray that each and every one of us here today, uh, whatever stage of life you may be in, or whatever spiritual stage you feel like you may be in. I pray that all of you guys will find an experience, uh, whether that be through Kayam, whether it be through the church, whether it be through a personal mission trip, I pray that God will fill you in the midst of that trip. Amen. So, um, I want to read uh, Psalms 23, where uh, the scripture reading came from, and one of the memory verses for VBS came from. I'll read it really quickly with you. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. Uh, I lack nothing. He, li- he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside pile of water. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so um, it's one of the most beautiful poems, uh, in my opinion. Uh, There's many beautiful poems, 
by King David, and probably one of the most well-known psalms uh, that we find. But there's a sense of peace when you read a poem like this. God is a God that leads us as a shepherd leads his flock. God is a God that comforts us just as a shepherd comforts the flock. And God is a God that renews us as a shepherd renews the flock. And I could go on and on and on, but hopefully you get my point. And then following this theme of when life is crazy, God is good. I want to share a few stories of my own, um, about my own mission experience. So actually my first ever mission trip, like out of the country mission trip, was the country of South America. And it was here in South America where I went to the small country of Guyana. It's right there. I'm really shaky. Okay, Guyana. Okay, does anyone know anything about this country? When I first heard this country, I thought it was in Africa. And I was just like, wait, I'm only going to South America? Uh, but Guyana, uh, the capital of Guyana is Georgetown. It's the country that's right above, above Brazil, next to Venezuela, and then next to Suriname, right? It's actually, interesting fact, it's the only English-speaking country in South America where you can speak to them in English and they'll understand everything you're saying, but when they speak back to you, uh, you have no idea what they're saying because they're speaking in a dialect, right? Uh, it's called Creolese. Uh, I think it's Creolese. It's like French English. So it's really weird. Uh, but it's the only English-speaking country of South America. And I went to this country uh, in 2014 during my time as a year-long missionary through the Thousand Missionary Movement Program. And at the school that I was at, the self, uh, self, self-supporting school in Tennessee, uh, I, they planned a two-week mission trip, and I was part of the planning and all of that, to this weird little country of Guyana. I had never heard of it, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I was excited, because I was excited to leave the country that I was born in, right? I was finally getting a shot, uh, in my own terms, to be a real missionary. So you see, when I first decided to go to a Thousand Missionary Movement in Tennessee, in 2013 is when I decided, I had no idea what I was getting myself into then either. They just told me, if you sign up for this program, they'll send you for a year to some random country. And I was just like, wow, that sounds so cool, right? I get there to the training, and, you know, the, the director picks me up in his car at Nashville International Airport. Um, and he's driving me to three hours away to this school where the training happens. And I ask him, oh, is there any other missionaries here this year? And he said, no, you're the only one. And so I was a little disappointed because... Uh, to be frankly honest with you, before I had signed up, I was thinking, you know, maybe I can find a girlfriend here. Maybe I can find somebody uh, that has a like mind like me, that worships God, that believes in God, wants to do mission work. I was like, this is perfect. But God had other plans for me, right? So anyways, so when I went to this place, uh, they had opened up a lot of options for me. They were like, you could go to Japan, you go to Korea, you could go to Australia. And I was like getting super excited. And I was like, God, oh, this is awesome. But as time went on, the doors started to close. As my month of training came to an end, there was nowhere that would accept me uh, as a missionary. So I ended up staying in Tennessee for a year, which was not part of my plan. I was expecting, like, you know, going to some distant land. You know, we hear about the mission land and all that kind of stuff. You know, I was thinking that I would be collecting water from large containers of rainwater. I saw myself living in a little hut on dirt grounds, scavenging for food and for firewood to start my fire. I saw myself working with the locals, people that had never seen anything other than themselves. But I found myself in Tennessee 
Tennessee, right? In the middle of Tennessee, in the middle of nowhere, running water, a school van key, uh, keys, phone service, a Walmart that was 30 minutes away. Uh, I was not having a real mission experience in my opinion. But then, uh, my mission trip to Guyana uh, really changed my life, right? I was finally getting the chance then Guyana would be the place where I really experienced God, right? So it was totally different. So going to Guyana, uh, so we flew into Georgetown, right? This country, or this capital up here. We drove three hours all the way to the city of Skeldon, which is a little port city that connects Guyana and Suriname. And so it's like, you know, it's a busy port with all of that. From Skeldon, okay, we would ride this river. You can't really tell, but there's a little river that goes straight down here. And there's the city of Oriella, right? Another hour past it, we would get on this boat, and we would have to ride this boat for eight hours from Skeldon all the way to the city or little town of Suriname, right? Oh, not Suriname, sorry. Uh, Sidparuta, I always get it wrong. That little dot is the little village that I went to, right at the border of Suriname and Guyana, Sidparuta. And there's a picture of, oh, this is, okay, so this is me when I was a missionary in 2013. Really? Yeah, anyways. That's that. Okay, and this was the boat. It wasn't no, like, cruise boat or anything. It was literally, like, a little top and just a little inside. And we would sit there. It would be, you know, really hot. This is when we were going back. Uh, and you can tell my beautiful photography skills with my, that thing right there. Okay? But it was such an odd experience. For eight hours, we would sit in this boat. Uh, going from one place to the next. Um, and this is the academy that uh, I, we helped out for two weeks um, called Sipuruta Mission Academy. Now, I want to tell you a story after. Um, oh, this is, this is where we would wash our dishes, this is where we would do our laundry, and this is where we would take showers. And it's brown water. So, anyway. <laughs> So I wasn't really experiencing the mission field like I had envisioned it to be. It was like the greatest thing ever. You know, it's like weird to think that I would want this, but this is exactly what I was looking for and I got exactly what I wanted. Um, and I remember, you know, the kids were like, oh, we have to shower in this? I was like, dude, let's jump in. Like, this looks so fun, okay? Uh, but there was a lot of obstacles on this mission trip uh, that happened. Uh, one of the stories uh, that I kind of want to share, one of the short stories that I want to share, uh, when we first got to the mission site, uh, we had pitched tents on the sand. There was no roads or anything like that. Um, and as we were pitching tents, we were moving stones. And I remember picking up one of the stones, and as I was picking up the stone, I felt a sharp, like, kind of, like, sting in my finger. And I was just like, oh, that hurts, what is that? And I remember throwing the rock, and then all of a sudden, the kids started screaming, okay? These, like, guys that are, like, as tall as me, like, you know, screaming on top of their lungs, and they see the scorpion just shoot across the sand. Oh. And then I look at my hand, and I all of a sudden just cannot feel anything. My hand is completely numb. From the tip of my fingers, you could, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. There's, like, there's, like, if you imagine, like, a black, like, play, like, kind of creeping all over my hand, it was kind of like that. And it started to follow all the way up my hand. And then the locals were like, like saying something. And I was like, I'm, I, I, I can't feel my hand. And at that moment, I was like, I'm going to die. I just got here. I'm going to die, right? I was so afraid of what was going to happen that I thought, I'm going to lose my arm. And I couldn't feel my entire arm. 
for more than half of the entire mission trip. For I think it was six, seven days, my arm was completely numb. And thank, thank goodness for uh, you know, Adventist discovery of charcoal, right? Because my whole arm was like a charcoal arm like the entire week. But I remember after getting stung by that scorpion, I thought, God, like, I decided to come out on this mission trip and sacrifice the things that I have in America. Why would you let something like this happen to me? God, where were you when the scorpion bit my finger? Right? The next thing, uh, the next story I want to share while I was there, um, it was interesting because when we had, this is where I discovered that I, I get very motion sick, I get very car sick, uh, or just sick in general, uh, like I am now. So it was here in Guyana when I discovered that motion sickness was like my best friend that I didn't want, right? And when we would travel from place to place and when we get on the boat, I remember there was a day when we were leaving to another village that I was eating a bunch of like this rice that they had made. I got on the boat and I got like super sick, but that sickness was more than just like food. It was more than motion sickness, it was food poisoning. So I had food poisoning out, you know, I was having diarrhea, I was having just, it was like the worst like ending to a mission trip ever. And I almost was not able to get on the flight, but I remember as I'm like laying there by a toilet, like with cockroaches like running around in this bathroom, and I'm just laying there, right, with like vomit like coming out of my mouth. Did you guys lose your appetite? I'm sorry, right? I'm just thinking, God, like, I came all the way out here to Guyana to serve you, and this is how you treat me? Like, God, I came all the way out here to do mission work for you, but where in the world are you? God, why are you not helping me through this pain? And then, uh, you know, I obviously didn't find answers there. It was just like, we got back and everything was fine and, you know, we talked about the great things. 2015, I went to another mission trip, uh, but I went to International Crime. So the same thing that Susie and then Isaiah went to, I had gone three years before Susie, four years before Isaiah in 2015. And I was there as a 20th batch member. I'm like, right Okay, so... Um, it was interesting because even here, the question of God, where are you, constantly came about. When we got there to the mission field, there's I think 24 of us, 24, 25 of us. When we got to the mission field, uh, you know, as we we're working, we we're told not to drink the waters of the local, right? The local people are drinking this water that's actually not healthy for us. So that there's, you know, bacteria and stuff like that that will get us sick. And so we had been very good with drinking water that was only for, uh, for us that were bottled or processed and whatnot. But there was a day, one Sabbath, we had like this huge like community event. And all these people from neighboring churches would come and bring like their food. Uh, one of the neighboring churches thought it would be very nice to add ice into our water because, you know, we're like foreigners and, you know, it's hot. And so they wanted to help us out. So they put ice in our bottles or in our like, water jug thingies. Uh, and we didn't know that the ice was simply just local tap water. And so we're drinking this, half of the batch, okay, ended up going to the emergency room that day, right? So we went to the emergency room, everyone was sick, and I remember just sitting there in the hospital room, looking at my older sister, looking at a bunch of batchmates, you know, we're like all crammed into these two hospital rooms, I'm just thinking, my God, we came all the way out here to the Philippines, but why are you doing this to us? Where are you, God? We're doing good things, but where are you? There's another uh, story. Uh, the person that's standing next to me, good friend of mine, his name is Roy. Uh, he, we called him jokingly the Taekwondo master because he was like, he was like tall, athletic, and he was 
he was, you know, Taekwondo master, right? So one of the days that we were out there, we did this kind of uh, this program, like a talent show kind of thing. Um, and as we're doing this little talent show thing here, uh, it's like super hot and humid. And he's like, you know, going all out, like doing his moves and whatnot. Uh, and then at the end, he's like, you know, I don't feel good. And I'm just thinking like, oh, bro, just drink some water, you'll be fine, right? You're just tired, you know? But he started to turn more pale and pale. And the next thing we, we knew, he was laying on the ground with all his clothes besides his, you know, underwear off. And he was like hyperventilating like really bad. And, you know, the first thing I thought was like, oh, he's gonna die. He's, like, he's not gonna make it, right? And so everyone is like getting water bottles and like pouring water on him. Everyone is getting the fans from all the classrooms at the school we were at and trying to cool him down. And he kept hyperventilating and he wasn't responding and his eyes were rolled back and I was just like, oh my gosh, like God, like, are you kidding me? Like, where are you? Come on, pull through this, right? We, we're here on a mission trip, but God, where are you? And I remember having to carry him, you know, 170 pounds. And this time I was still pretty scrawny. Uh, I'm still scrawny, but he, I was even more scrawnier then. I remember putting him on my back. And I remember carrying him off of the school. And, you know, these kids don't know what's going on, right? They're just like, oh, like, look at his body. You know, and like, and like, yeah, they're like following us. And I'm here carrying this guy on my back. And they have these little, like, like bicycle things that, you know, I'm like shoving into this little, like, cabin on the side of this motorcycle and I'm just like crying because I'm just like dude if this guy dies out here like what am I gonna do like right what am I gonna do this guy is like he's not responding he's literally like a dead body on my back and I remember just thinking to God at that moment saying God why in the world would you bring us out here what are you doing when we're here doing your work is this not enough for you Right? During this time, you know, obviously he's okay, he's alive, you guys. He's, he's fine. Um, he's all alive and well. But I want to highlight this fourth verse that uh, we were, that we had read earlier, that was part of the memory verse for this week. Uh, I'm not going to go in depth, like super in depth, because we're short on time. But there was something about this verse that really stuck out to me. Um, during this week, we talked about when life is unfair, God is good. When life is scary, God is good. Right? When life changes, God is good. When life is sad, God is good. And when life is good, God is good. Right? We talked about this message the entire week. And that's true. right? God is always good. But when things are you know, fine and well for all of us now, it's easy for us to say that yes, God is good. But what happens when things are going down the drain? What happens when things are looking very bleak and dry, right? Is it easy for us to say God is good, okay? Maybe all of you guys here today are in the state of like, yeah, like God is good. Like everything is great. But if you are in the, pit, the, the pitfalls of life, right? When you're in the ditch of life, how easy is it to say that God is good? I think our initial reaction to this kind of quote is like, Okay, well, how can God be good if all of this is not good, right? How can I continue to praise God in moments of, of sadness? It's easy to say, but when it comes down to that moment, it is such a difficult thing to do, to continue to praise God. But when we look at the song, right, when we look at this song by King David, 
we look at where this is leading us. I want you to take notice how God is the shepherd. Right? The work and the life of the shepherd is to do what? Is to lead its flock. Right? But it's crazy because if you look, not only does God lead us and make us lie in green pastures, right? not only does he lead us to quiet waters where he refreshes our soul, not only does he guide us to the right path, but when we walk through the darkest valleys, God doesn't say there won't be any dark valleys. God doesn't say that there aren't any difficult times. Right? What does God promise? That I will be close beside you. This is such a beautiful thing because God is saying, I don't care like what's going on, good or bad. One thing I can promise you always is that I will always be close beside you. Amen. Right? When I was on those mission trips with all these crazy stories and all these things happening and all these thoughts of God, why? God, what are you doing? Where are you? We're here for you, but you're not here. Why don't you do anything? But the reality is, I want to remind you that God is always, always saying, hey, I'm here, I've got you, don't worry. Right? The Bible talks over and over and over again. Right? Isaiah 41 verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Right? Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. It says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And there's so many promises in the Bible. I could read over and over and over of promises of God saying, Hey, I'm going to be there with you. Through the thick and the thin. the highs and the lows. Right? The valleys to the mountaintops. I will be with you. Amen. God never says that I'm going to take away all these bad things so you don't have to deal with it. No. God's a realist. He's like, hey. I'm going to be there with you to go through those moments, right? I want to be there with you, close beside you. So when life is crazy, yes, God is so, so good, right? Not because God takes away all the bad things that happen in our lives, but because God promises that we'll never have to be alone, that you'll never have to be afraid, for God is with us. Amen. So uh, this past week at BBS, for the kids that were part of it, the leaders, I just want to always remind you, you know, I love this thing, that God is good through all circumstances. And it's so true, because if you believe in the promise that God will never leave you, even when things are going downhill, then the promise that God is good is so, so beautiful. Amen. Let's pray.